This segment of Off the Hosel is powered by SaskGolfer.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to episode number 12 of Off the Hosel. My name is Drew Koser, and I'm your host. I hope everyone's doing great today. I'm also joined again by my brother, Troy Koser. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well, Drew. How are you doing? Uh, not too bad. I mean, I'm just kind of lounging out here in uh, my new swag from uh, Player Golf. Uh, our good buddy, Chase Porter, um, who owns and the CEO of Player Golf, uh, hooked us up with a new sponsorship. So I want to say the <clears throat> thanks to Chase for that, and yeah. Yeah, I got to thank Chase too. Ordered my stuff on Friday. Hope to get it here in the next couple of days. Going to be the sexiest man on the golf course with the <laughs> highest score, so I can't wait. Well, maybe you turn that around and you'd be like, still look pretty good, but also I'd shoot really well too, so who knows? Well, who knows, right? <laughs> uh, so, well, I mean, we talked uh, a little bit this weekend, um, or this past weekend, sorry. Uh, how was the lake, and how are you doing during uh, these still these COVID times? Oh, COVID 2020, still going, you know, still social distancing. Got myself out to the cabin this weekend. A uh, little plug for Edders Beach, Saskatchewan. Was up there at the cabin, sitting in the Lazy Boy recliner. Got a lot of notes done, did some phone calls, listened to some more uh, pre-podcasts that we're about to release with some of our guests, so you could do some editing if need be. Pretty damn good. Uh, actually checked out a movie. I watched a movie. Yes, I know. I don't watch a lot of movies, <laughs> but I saw a movie called Seven Pounds with Will Smith, and I actually yeah, I've seen really it. enjoyed it. Yeah, it's pretty good, eh? It was very good. Uh, like I said, I don't watch a lot of movies, so uh, beggars can't be choosers with on the cable at the cabin, so I enjoyed that. And, uh, yeah, it was really good. Uh, for all our listeners too, I mean, right now, obviously, I mean, I know myself, and I can, I'm not speaking for Troy, but I, I can imagine he'll say the same, but uh, number one, uh, we want to just thank all you guys for your support so far. Uh, this has been great. I mean, we're enjoying doing this, and I, I just hope you guys are enjoying it too. Um, but just checking out the analytics of things, just uh, looks like we have a lot of good looks and listeners and stuff. So I appreciate that, and, and I think Troy can uh, speak the same. Uh, 100%. You know, I appreciate everybody having a listen or having a follow on Facebook page at Off the Hosel or Twitter page at, at underscore Off the Hosel. I think in the future we're going to get an Instagram page going, uh, something Drew and I are working on together. Uh, I don't know if people have seen the contest that we got running right now, but courtesy of our friend Dean Brown at Brownie's Golf Shop, he's generously donated a putt out, uh, you know, help you out in your short game, especially when you got to be inside most of these times. <laughs> but uh, head over, like, share, retweet, comment. Uh, contest closes Wednesday, 8 p.m. We'll draw the winner Thursday morning. So good luck to everybody. Yeah, thanks again, Dino. That's uh, you're an absolute beauty, and uh, I, I, yeah, maybe he'll uh, hook us up with a couple there too, Troy. So maybe if we're nice to him, he'll uh, yeah set us up. Um, I wanted to touch. Oh, also, also, I want to ask or mention too. Um, obviously with the audio and, and whatnot. I mean, my brother sounds I think okay uh, on here, and he's he's doing a really good job. Uh, but moving forward, once these uncertain times are kind of taken care of. Uh, we will be uh, in the same room, uh, neck to neck, and just you know, 
uh, we'll be doing live interviews together, uh, both via mic and not on the audio. So, I mean, just uh, bear with us during these times. Yeah, I won't sound like I'm in a tin box, so. <laughs> uh, quickly, so SAS Golf Events, Nipawin, uh at the Evergreen Golf Course, the Scotia Wealth Open is on May 30, 31st, and it's still on as far as we know, and like I've talked with you off the record, Troy, uh, I don't know what's happening tomorrow, let alone uh, May 30, 31st. Uh, thoughts? Well, I don't think any of us know what's happening tomorrow. Uh, it's a day-by-day situation. As soon as we can flatten the curve on the old COVID, I know everyone's sick of hearing that, but, uh, you know, it's going to be faster than we're out in the golf course. I, I'm hoping, and I, I'm not one for betting, but I'm going to say there's a 72.2% chance that they're golfing a nip one May 30th, May 31st. I like those odds. It's a great tournament, too. Great tournament. Well, I'd, I'd, I'd like to go and uh, hang out and maybe interview a few people that are on the golf course with you, so hopefully... Uh, well, that's our plan, hey? So, I mean, I, I want to touch on that sort of cutting off there, but uh, even, like, for some of the events, even, even this year, whether it's Nippowin or, you know, the Publinks or other events, even this, this, the Sash Dam, um, yeah, I'm hoping to bring you out and maybe be on my bag and, you know, have a good time during the day. And then after I gotta the round, cut you off there, but I I don't ever want to be on your bag. <laughs> uh, well, I mean my golf bag, and, uh, and oh, okay. so PG, yeah, PG, yeah. Right, yeah. Right, so right. yeah, but like seriously though, I mean, I mean it, it'd be awesome if my bro would come down and caddy for me, and then uh, after a round, you know, we set up a few interviews and just banked a ton up. So I mean, there's tons of good talent in this in this province, right right from uh, junior women's to 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 men's. You know, I mean, there's legends and there's. Uh, still guys that can play really well and, and whatnot, so I think it would be a really good, good idea. Absolutely, 100% agree with you on that. So uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, obviously you remember when Tiger Woods was uh, chewing gum at the, the Masters. Uh, take a guess. I mean, I found out now what kind of gum it was. Take a well, guess. Well, I, la- I guess last week that it was Nicorette, you know. So yeah, hard knowing that my one. My second guess is going to be uh, Trident Spearmint. Close. Um, he chews the Trident Orange uh, gum, Tropical Twist. That's terrible. Yeah, like Dad, I don't know, like maybe the breast just smells. I don't know what it is. I mean, I don't mind it once in a while, but I just had a headache from, from it. He actually said that he likes the sugar in it, which is like I was mm-hmm. like, wow, that's a that's a tough haul. But uh, that's um, and also I wanted to mention too before we move on here, uh, our good buddy Dave Stewart, uh, who's ab- who's an absolute stick. Um, over at Molson has hooked us up with a nice sponsor by those guys. So just want to give him a shout out and, and at Molson, they're working on their, actually their ad reading for us. So it's going right to head office. So, uh, yeah. Molson. Yeah. This is a Molson pod. Do you have any thoughts on those there, Troy? Well, I've known to have a few, uh, cold Molson products in my day. So very happy with the new sponsorship on board. And, uh, if anybody else wants to get on board, for sponsorship, you guys can contact me at troycoaster at hotmail.com or you can contact me via direct message on Twitter or Facebook. So hopefully we can get some more sponsors on board. Yeah, I, I mean, like we said earlier, we obviously appreciate everyone's support and, and I just think that uh, we both, I mean, we talk way more than we probably should on the phone together off, off the uh, record, but, um, you know, we think this is going in the right direction and I think with more support and, and, and more following, uh, this thing could grow uh, really big. I agree again. Uh, the, the feedback I've been getting from every everybody I've talked to, and a lot of these people I don't even know, so that's a good thing, right? I'm uh, <laughs> getting a lot of good feedback. 
about the podcast and the direction that it's going. And people are so appreciative that we're covering the amateurs, right? Provincial Canadian golf. It's, it's huge. And there's not a big platform out there to get this information. So as your brother, let's just keep it going. Let's keep the people happy. And, uh, yeah, we're going to get bigger and better. Like you said, moving on. So, uh, the Michael Jordan documentary, have you seen the previews? I have, I have. Not bad, hey. I mean, you also mentioned off the record it's not your, or he's not your favorite athlete or favorite basketball player. But I mean, whether or not no, he's your no, favorite, he looks he looks pretty good. Michael Jordan. I mean, let's let's be honest, best basketball player to ever play the game, but not my favorite. My favorite was Sir Charles Barkley. Gnarls. Uh, love, I love I love Barkley. I again, I'm a little bit older than you, but then to watch him go from basketball to to golf and. Yeah, we golf the same. Uh, maybe that's why I like him so much. But the documentary that's coming out, I believe it's on uh, ESPN Sunday night and Netflix. It'll be released, be released Monday. So I'll definitely be watching it for sure. So moving on to another uh, subject I want to talk uh, touch on here. Uh, it's called The Hole in One Story, actually. I mean, it was insane, actually. And long story short is, the stat they predicted was it's a 1 in 12,000 chance that you get a hole-in-one. You don't have one. I don't have one. And there's tons of people listening right now that haven't haven't had one. But I swear everyone that we ha- we've had on the show has had one. Um, but guess what this guy had? How many hole-in-ones he's had? 24. This guy's had 51. They literally, like 51 hole-in-ones, they literally hooked him up to a polygraph to see if he was telling the truth. You sure it wasn't PlayStation? <laughs> Man, this is insane. I couldn't believe it. So the, here's the stats, though, for one year. He made three in a week. Like, not bad. Five in a month. Eight in a calendar year. John Everhart has 51 as well, and Art Wall has 41. Are you kidding me? You know, yeah, that's impressive. But what I would really like to see is his score at the end of 18. Just to see. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, having one, I'd be so happy. I mean, but 51? Like, are you kidding well, he, me? He must, he, he must have his Amex uh, <laughs> with a high limit, that's for sure. Um, moving on to today, uh, our guest today, we didn't mention earlier. I mean, obviously, you would all saw the uh, the label. Um, you know, he's a, or our guest today, sorry. He, he played over 14 years in the NHL. He's working at Sirius XM Channel 91. He's from Ottawa, Ontario. He's hilarious. He's straight up and just a beauty. He's really big into charities, and, and he's also heavily involved in a charity that has to do with Alzheimer's, which our gra- grandmother passed away from with. So our special guest today is Matthew Barnaby. Yeah, the old Barney. I'm excited. Oh. I'm excited. You know what? You would have heard it off the record, too, the, the pre-recording. Man, he does not like some guys. Oh. Can I can I let one spoiler out of the bag? Or sure. I see? Yeah, go ahead. He hates Sean Avery. He hates Sean Avery. I was Avery. shocked. I mean, I mean, Barney is straight up, but I was like, I was kind of shocked when he said that. But, yeah. He's, but um, it's funny because, Drew, I, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, but I started listening to Sean Avery's, and I haven't missed an episode. But since we got Barnaby on our on our podcast, I deleted. I unsubscribed. I'm, not, I'm no longer part of the Avery Nation. So Well, there's just some things that that guy does that just – I – yeah, I don't know. Not anyways. Well, he, he was a, he was a plug on the ice, right? I, yeah, we're not going to talk about him because he's not on the show. So, 
That's um, right. That's right. You know what? We do have one of the. He's known for one of the biggest pests in the league. So that's uh, Barney, and he's a beauty, and uh, he had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun doing it. Um, I, I just hope you guys enjoy it. I mean, do you want to head over there now? Let's do it, Drew. All right, guys. Hope you guys enjoy. This segment of Off the Hustle is brought to you by Brownie's Golf Shop at the Royal Regina, Southern Saskatchewan's premier custom club fitters. Using FlightScope and GC Quad technology, Brownie's Golf Shop will give you the high-performance club fitting you need for that new driver or set of irons. Offering a full line of clubs featuring Titleist, Ping, Callaway, TaylorMade, Cobra, and Srixen at the best prices. Brownie's Golf Shop, high-performance club fitting to help you enjoy the game. Contact Dean at RoyalRegina.com to book your fitting or yardage gapping appointment. Matthew. Yep. Alrighty, uh, thanks for joining the podcast today. No problem at all. So, um, uh, where are you these days and what are you up to and how are you holding up during this uh, COVID-19? <laughs> yeah, I'm in Ottawa, uh, where I grew up. I'm on the east side in Orleans with my girlfriend and uh, my family's from here, so it's nice to be back in town. Uh, as for COVID-19, yeah, it's it's been a struggle, I think, for, for most people, and it's certainly a different dynamic that we deal with. My my life hasn't changed all that much. I guess I, it's it's the non-watching the hockey um, uh, every single night, not getting a chance to watch my son, um, obviously interacting with people, and we do it the best we can through social media, through, through apps, through phones and FaceTime. But uh, my world hasn't changed much except for watching a lot less hockey. Um, that's turned into Netflix and working out from home as opposed to going to the gym. So it's, uh, it's a, certainly a different and trying time for a lot of people, um, economically, socially. Uh, but Matthew Barney, <laughs> my life hasn't changed much at all. What shows are you watching, Ozark or what? I am actually on Ozark right now, just finishing up uh, season three. It should be done by tonight and just finished Suits. And uh, yeah, I'm a big Netflix guy and Crave guy. So thank God we have those because I'm not going to lie. It would, it would probably be miserable. I think I've went through the internet about five times already. <laughs> uh, so for people that don't know, a little background on yourself. I mean, you play for seven NHL teams over, I think, 14 or 15 years. Uh, just touching that for us. Yeah, I grew up in, in Ottawa and then moved uh, to Quebec in the Quebec League where I played there three years in Quebec City and then various parts in Montreal for uh, a brief period before turning pro. But uh, yeah, I was, I was fortunate to play uh, a lot of years in the league for some great teams and great players. I had the, the opportunity, obviously, in Buffalo to play with LaFontaine and McGillney and great friends like Rob Ray and Brad May. Went on to to Pittsburgh and New York, uh, played for seven teams, but those would be the three teams that, you know, I played the most on seven years, almost in Buffalo and almost three apiece in, in New York and Pittsburgh and had the opportunity to play with, you know, Mark Messier and Brian Leach and Pavel Bure, Eric Lindros and in Pittsburgh, Mario Lemieux and Yarmir Yager. So very fortunate uh, to be able to play so long after you know, just dreaming of it as a kid to be an NHL player was something that, you know, was just absolutely mind boggling uh, for me to play against not only, you know, the best players in the world, but a lot of people that I grew up just emulating and, and wanting to be like and um, was very fortunate for 14, 15 years to be able to do that. So uh, who got you wanting to play hockey? I mean, who got you into the game? And yeah, just touch on that. Yeah, I'd say my brother, who's 14 years older, 
my mother, obviously a part of that financially, even my grandmother. I mean, everyone chipped in. Um, I'm from very humble beginnings and from a single parent family. So everyone chipped in, but I'd say it was my brother that, you know, even though he didn't play, he absolutely loved the game. And, you know, I think everyone just being a Canadian boy that loves sports and I love sports. I was no different. Um, it's in our blood. It's almost our culture and our religion, uh, to want to play hockey. So, uh, my family certainly had a big part of it, but just being Canadian, um, it's almost a rite of passage. It's something I think most Canadian boys grow up wanting to do. Um, so when did you realize that, Hey, maybe this could turn into a job and a career. And like, when, when was your, wow, I'm in the NHL moment. I, I say my second year junior when central scouting came out, you know, with their, with their lists on guys that were rated in, in the national hockey league draft. I'd never really thought about it. Cause I was a late developer. I didn't develop till, you know, 17, 18 years old where I even thought I'd have the opportunity to play junior. So that was a goal of mine, um, you know, at 14, 15, 16, because it was it was probably out of the realm of possibilities even for me to even think about the NHL if I didn't make junior. So I was fortunate enough to do that. And then, you know, 18 going on 19, um, I already had my first NHL camp. I had seen what NHL players looked like up close and personal. I, I had gotten back to playing junior my 19-year-old year and started to dominate that league. And that was the next progression is, is making that step to pro. So after seeing my next uh, level, um, being through that first camp and coming back to junior at 18, 19, I really said, you know what, maybe I have a chance to make a living out of this. Um, we'll give it a try and give it our, give it our all. Um, but it was at that point that I really realized that I had an opportunity. So like, kind of like my cousin, Joey, uh, you guys are known as t- uh, past and agitators. Uh, when did you go, hey, I got to be a fighter and a tough guy and play that role as an enforcer? I- I'd say my first, seeing those guys up close and personal, LaFontaine, Howard Chuck, McGillney, uh, my first training camp, I knew that I, I, the scoring part of it, scoring 30, 40 goals in the National Hockey League um, was was not in, not in my deck of cards that I was dealt just just the physical attributes, the speed, the release that those guys had uh, was much more than, than I had in the toolbox. So uh, I, I really think just, just being around those guys and watching them, um, their, their abilities was far superior than mine and knew if I was going to carve my way and have a long NHL career, um, I was going to have to bring that physical element, that agitating element to my game. But I still thought I had the opportunity to be able to score, you know, 15, 20 goals and be able to chip in offensively, um, but doing it certainly in a way that was different from those guys. So, uh, I mean, this is kind of a two-parter here. Uh, you spent a lot of time in Buffalo. Um, any good stories from those days? I mean, I know I was talking to uh, Mike Commodore uh, you meant to uh, ask uh, Bob, uh, Rob Ray and Brad May there. Um, any good stories from those days? Oh, so so many good ones from those guys. I mean, Rob, my my first training camp. You know, I went in and he had kind of mocked me in the team dinner uh, before the first day of training camp. Uh, my nickname in junior was Killer uh, because I fought so much. It should have been killed uh, because I got <laughs> beat up so much in my first couple of years of junior, but. You know, he stood up and said, oh, you're the killer. Um, you're going to get killed tomorrow, essentially. So uh, first day of training camp, I fought Rob three times and uh, probably won one. He beat me up pretty good in two of them. 
but became pretty close personal friends after that. And we have so many great stories from along the days of, you know, when, when Rob and a bunch of the guys had put X-Lax in Brad May's food and <laughs> he absolutely almost died um, eating a whole bar of X-Lax the night before a game and was so dehydrated from shit in his pants the whole night before. And <laughs> it seems like all our stories involve either puking or, or shitting. Cause I was out with the boys one night in Chicago and, after a long night of, of going out, I, I literally shit my pants uh, for about six hours uh, before going to bed and really barely made it to practice the next day. And um, it was a night to, to behold. Uh, we were out with uh, Michael, ha- Michael Jordan's handler and um, <laughs> our, our, our good friend Dennis Rodman and Jay McKee and Rob Ray and Brad May. So a lot of great stories for those guys and a lot of trouble we got in. <laughs> uh moving on to some of your broadcasting I me mean, i know you're retired since 06 um what do you do when you're done uh, relax for a few years or get right into work i got you know what i always had the the vision to move to florida and play golf every day and, and enjoy the sun i was retired about three months and i was like man i, I can't do this this is i'm way too high strung i'm way too motivated to sit here and play golf now I was in Buffalo so it was a little different it wasn't Florida um but you know I I really once I retired got right into the media I loved my favorite thing about being retired was I got to coach my son Matthew Jr uh for the next 10 11 years and that was that was the best part of of retirement and um probably a big reason you know I I had concussions it was it was a reason why but in the back of my mind I wanted to spend more time with my kids, my daughter, Taylor, and obviously coach Matthew. So I did get into media right away. I, I took a job with the score then went on to TSN and then on to ESPN. And now uh, with Sirius XM NHL network on the radio, uh, which I get to do from home, which is, which is great. So I wanted to, my visions of uh, retiring and moving to Florida and being that old man that eats dinner at four thirty did not come to fruition as quickly as I thought it would. So yeah, you mentioned you're you're, uh, you're working for the Power Play on Sirius XM on Channel 91. Um, what made you get it, uh, into the broadcasting business, and how's that change been? You know what, it, it's been great. I love working with Steve Coolius. He's he's funny. He gets me. Uh, we don't take life too seriously. Um, we're we're able to carve each other, which I enjoy, and very opinionated from the both of us, which uh, which has some great banter. Why do they want to get into? I mean, I, I love to talk. I love having an opinion and as long as the outlets and um, I get to do it on, on my own podcast as well with unfiltered with Matthew Barnaby. um, I I get to give an opinion. I get to stay in the game. I get to watch hockey and do, you know, enjoy the the, the greatest sport. What I think is on earth and and get to have an opinion where people listen and respect. And um, again, I think at the time it was, I had a lot of downtime. I, th- I was always told I was a good interview and had those opinions. Uh, but probably at the time, if I was being truthful, it was a way to get away from my ex-wife uh, every single day and, and, and get out and, and enjoy some other people. So uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, I'm divorced and uh, don't have that same sentiments in talking with my girlfriend now. Yeah, I mean, you're very good at what you do. So I, I wanted to ask, I mean, did you want to touch on what happened in uh, Nashville I mean, last month at all or no? Yeah, no, that's that's fine. It, it you know, it's funny because media in different realms. I wouldn't say the sports media naturally grabs a hold and makes big deal. They, 
are very good at reporting facts. Unfortunately, there's a lot of gossips out there that say that I choked a bouncer and um, was intoxicated. Nothing could be further from the truth. It was 1030 at night. Um, I was with my girlfriend in a bar joking around. All of a sudden, I got choked by a woman um, and stood up and asked her if she could please get away from me and take her hands off my throat. Um, had words with her boyfriend or friend. I'm not sure if they were together. Um, he yelled at me out of nowhere. Uh, four bouncers came and I put up my left hand to defend myself. Now, whether I got the guy in the throat or in the chest, that I have no idea. I can tell you it wasn't forceful in any which way. Um, later, I find myself uh, handcuffed and brought to the cop station. But uh, I knew nothing was going to happen uh, because video does not lie. And we can go to the video anytime. And I wouldn't have been um, fearful about my actions, what I did. I defend my stance. I did absolutely nothing, nothing wrong. Charges are being dropped. Um, nothing is coming of it. So I expect a lot of retractions from a lot <laughs> of people out there that uh, desperately like to make up stories and were completely wrong. So I look forward to that day very shortly. There it is. Don't believe everything you hear. Um, <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> so you mentioned, uh, I mean, actually last night I listened to your podcast and I was laughing so hard and it was, it was unbelievable. I, I laughed at it. It was awesome. Which one um, was it? Which one did you listen to? Uh, it was Brad May episode okay. one or two. Yeah, man, your, your segment with your mom, that that's hilarious, too. Um, <laughs> unfiltered with Matthew Barnaby. Uh, I just want to talk about that and let us know what it's all about. Yeah, it. it uh, I stopped it briefly and coming back to it because I'm launching my own website, uh, MatthewBarnaby36.com. And unfiltered with Matthew Barnaby will be a big part of that. So in the coming weeks, um, that should be out. The podcast will be back. But again, it's it's my chance to be completely unedited, you know, being on Sirius XM, I, I I can say what I want, but I have to use obviously verbiage and language yeah. that is conducive uh, to being a little bit mainstream. But I'm very fortunate to be able to uh, be very opinionated here. I can let loose. I can do anything I want. I'm my own boss. Um, I can use my mom on there. I can play fuck, kill, <laughs> marry with her. And I am not getting a pink slip. So Everything goes, anything goes, and that's what I do love. And my mom's a trooper. She's fun. She um, loves sports. She loves life. Uh, she loves to have her cocktails, and her Drambuie Island is a mainstay and will be a mainstay. So uh, love doing it. Uh, the one with Andre Waugh is absolutely uh, beautiful as well. Um, we're going to have a live show uh, as I launch my website in a couple of weeks, and Andre will be a part of that. So uh, anyone that hasn't heard that, uh, the Andre Waugh one uh, is a classic for sure. There it is, uh, unfiltered with Matthew Barnaby. So check it out there, uh, all you listeners. Uh, moving on to some golf now. Okay, where's your home golf club? I'm at Greyhawk. I'm at Greyhawk. I've belonged to a lot of courses over, over the years with all the moves that that I've been in Buffalo. I belong to the Park Country Club, and uh, when I was in Florida, uh, when I had a place there, I was at the Quarry, which is a great spot play a, a senior tour event there uh, but here I belong to a place called Greyhawk it's part of a club link uh, which is very prevalent in in Ontario throughout Canada of joining one course but having accessibility to many courses um, throughout so I get to play a lot I didn't play as much last year as I trained my son and getting ready for his first year in, in pro hockey uh, but plan on playing upwards of 
you know, 80 to 100 rounds like I did the year before. So, Greyhawk, if you're ever in Ottawa, come on down. We'll play around. Right on. I appreciate it, Matthew. Um, so, I played – I'm in Regina, so Royal Regina. You ever played the Royal Ottawa? I have played the Royal Ottawa, yep. I played the Hunt Club and uh, the Royal Ottawa, great spot. There's a lot of great tracks here. Um, a few good private ones, Camelot, where Pierre Dorian, uh, the NA – NHL GM for the Ottawa Senators belong. That's pretty close to me. But Royal Ottawa is great. Hunt Club, probably my favorite, where my agent, Larry Kelly, belongs. Just a beautiful, beautiful spot. What's your handicap? Lowest ever and highest ever? Or do you keep one? Uh, no, I do. Uh, my lowest ever is three. Uh, my highest ever, well, when I started, so I don't think that counts. Um, I was probably a 15 or 16 for about three or four years after about three or four years of playing uh, really started to play a lot when I, when I retired and got down to a three. Now I'm about, about a seven, probably, probably a seven between a seven and an eight. Um, if I get up to a 10, I'm a great partner. If I'm down to a seven, you probably don't want me as a partner. So that's kind of where I am now. My goal is to get back to that three range. I'd like to hit the ball a little further, a uh, really good short game, really good putter, uh, but I'd like to hit the ball further to get that short game a little lower or to get that handicap a little lower. All around good player. I like it. <laughs> uh, some of the courses you played, I mean, obviously you played in some big cities. Um, have you ever went to a professional event to watch? I mean, some of the guys that you've went to watch play or and then even play the courses after? Yeah, I, I've uh, I had a friend that was on tour for a few years, Chris Nalen. He's an assistant coach now with uh, Arizona Wildcats golf team. So I've I've went to he's played in three U.S. Opens. I went to see him in two of them. Beth Page uh, in New York, uh, Long Island, um, incredible course. Do not suggest playing from the back tees, the blacks unless you are a scratch golfer, way, way too tough. And when I went to watch him, absolutely incredible. Watching Tiger up and close and personal um, was just uh, – he's my favorite athlete of all time. I think he's the most dominant athlete of all time as well. Uh, watching him at Pinecrest or um, Pinehurst, I should say. Yeah. Pinecrest is a golf course right around the corner from me. Pinehurst, uh, just an absolutely unbelievable spot. Some of the best greens you'll you'll ever see. So having played those two courses, I played Pine Valley in New Jersey, one of the top-ranked courses in the world. Play there with Mark Messier. I've been to Ireland. I've been to uh, Scotland uh, with guys' trips of, of 12 guys twice and went over for 10 days. So I played, you know, the St. Andrews, the, the Troons, the Bally Bunyans. So many great courses. My favorite course to ever play uh, is Old Head. Um, it, it really is Pebble Beach on steroids. And anyone that has a chance uh, to go over to Ireland and, and play um, Old Head, just an incredible, incredible course. But uh, I've been fortunate to play a, a lot of great courses. Um, St. Andrews, just the history of being over there uh, was something pretty fun. Not honestly, not my top 10 all time. Uh, but certainly the tradition and knowing uh, everything that's went on there over the years and, and the history of it uh, made it certainly very special. Uh, I want to ask, who are some of the guys you golf with, like celebrities, pros, uh, any good stories from those two? You know what? <laughs> to me, it's, it's, it's playing with the guys that I played with. We've had so many, you know, the Buffalo days, we had epic battles and lots of betting. 
Um, we've always gambled a lot on the golf course. I'm a huge better anyways, whether it's, you know, gambling on sports or poker, uh, golf is no different. I think, you know, being a golfer and knowing guys, that's the good thing about it is you, you can't gamble playing hockey. You can't gamble playing football. Uh, really any other sport, one guy's better than the other, right? So anything, and it, it just doesn't translate into it. Golf with handicaps, you can be a 26 and play against a three and have a, a great match um, with strokes being there. So, you know, celebrities I haven't played a ton with. I, I just say, you know, playing with Wayne Gretzky and, and Mark Messier, the, the players that I've respected, the Joe Sackicks along the way and, and playing with, with great teams, um, the Alexei Kovalevs and Robert Langs, um, for me, you know, Brad May and Dixon Ward, good golfers that I play with. It was more about teammates and good friends and great trips, lots of beer and lots of stories um, of those trips. But uh, yeah, a lot, of, lot, of, lot of great times. The best line I've ever heard is, is being over in Scotland and they film you as you're going up the 1st and 18th, and if you want to buy the video at the end of it, and we were staying at the Rustics Hotel, which is famous right beside St. Andrews that overlooks the 18th green. And I just remember, you know, going in and, and buying the video as we all did because it was, you know, $1,300 It ended up costing us. It felt like to pay to play <laughs> St. Andrews. By the time you pay for the hotel and your food and playing the course, you, you just get absolutely ripped off by everyone involved they're just laughing at us tourists going over there and and spending the money but i, I one of the best stories ever was was watching one of our friend who was an 18 handicap put two out of bounds on 18 and just the commentators we hadn't seen it yet was you <laughs> you, you you couldn't find that ball uh, in in a scottish uh accent if uh, last you couldn't find it if it was wrapped in bacon and that was one of the best lines I, I've ever heard before. And I remember as you go over there and, and play golf, a lot of the caddies gamble on you as, as you go through and they ask your handicaps on the first tee and they gamble on you. And our friend was an 18. And after about the third hole, he looks at me and he goes, sir, he goes, you say you're an 18. I'd say you're more like a 38. So as you go to the next course, you might want to help your caddies out because you're losing me my rent for the month. <laughs> So, okay, I want to spin that question out. Has there been a guy you've played with, whether he's a pro or he's a buddy, and he says he's a three, and he, or let's, let, let's say he's a, he says he's a 20, and he's an absolute stick, uh, and he just lights it up in total sandbagger. Uh, any stories from those? From those I, I, none, none of the players, none of the players, everyone's been, they're pretty true to their handicaps. Uh, okay. The guys that I played with were all, I'd, I don't want to say close, but like, they ranged from Dixon Ward at the time, probably being a two um, to, to Grant Fuhr being scratched at the time uh, to us being like, everyone was under like eight or nine at the time. So it was, you know, hockey players are pretty good in general at, at giving their, their handicaps I find. And we, we scuff them out pretty quickly, but I, I, I have a few buddies that would go into certain tournaments and I'd see them as a 10 and there's no way they're shooting over 74 any day of the week and you're just you're just waiting for some poor sucker um and i have guys that go into the same tournament every single year and win and, and if you're winning these tournaments every single year your handicap's inflated because you can't go into these tournaments if it's not a scratch tournament or whatever and be consistent because you're going to have bad days depending on what your handicap is and just the the amount of people that play in them so i've definitely played with some buddies that skew it 
on both ways. Some pretend that they're they're a six. Uh, those are the guys that that won't gamble, and the guys that really want to gamble are the ones that say they're a ten and they're really a four. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> most money you've played for in a match, did you get peeled or or you win? Um, I'd say two to three grand, and I've got peeled and I've peeled some guys. So I'd say uh, along the line, I went through. I remember one time we were playing a fifty dollar Nassau and uh, two down automatics. And I was a seven at the time. And I went on a four hole stretch where I was five under. Um, wow. And yeah, I, 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 I peeled this guy off good for about three grand. So, <laughs> uh, but I've, trust me, I've, I've been a seven and shot 92 and went the other way when I couldn't keep the ball out of the water and, and the two down automatics, man, did they come in a hurry? I just wanted someone to to pull the fire alarm on the golf course and let me off or call in a bomb threat. <laughs> okay, so maybe I'll ask the same question now. Um, what's your best stretch? I mean, from holes like birdie, 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 five hundred through six. Like, what's your best stretch? That you know, I was five hundred through four with an eagle. Um, I, I had I had hit a driver's three wood and then chipped in and then uh made four birdies uh in, in a row um or three birdies in a row so that was my best stretch my lowest round is 69 great number for a guy by the way um <laughs> but yeah 69 um 70 a couple times uh 72 a couple times and then la like a couple years ago last year my best round was like 74 but um, it's been, it's, it's been a long time where I've been able to put those numbers up, uh, consistently. Now, if I shoot 76, 75, I'm very, very happy. So I, I got to get more, I got to practice more for sure. And I got to hit the ball a lot longer. Are you a lefty or righty? I'm a lefty. That's why I love being in Canada. Thank you. Golf town. We can actually find clubs and, uh, get those shafts ready instead of having to privately order them. Um, that's the nice thing about being in Canada and being a lefty. Also the only place you can go to the front first tee and play four lefties in the same group is never going to happen <laughs> in the States. So they'll, they'll think you're from fucking Mars. <laughs> um, okay. So I want to ask how many golf tournaments do you play in a year? Charity competitive. Um, yeah. And then actually before you go on to that question though, we'll talk about your, your charity later. So just answer. Um, yeah. How many tournaments a year you play that are charity or competitive? It's a lot less than it used to be a lot less. Cause I used to play in home and homes, uh, member, member, uh, member guests. And I probably play in got 10 of those a year. Uh, those are down to just a couple, uh, charity tournaments. I probably play in four or five. So I'd say total combined, probably 10 where it used to be, you know, 2025 in various parts of the country, whether it's Florida going down there and playing in those or, going to Ohio, going to New York. Now they're all, all in Ottawa, which, uh, which makes it a lot easier, but uh, certainly a lot less than they used to be. I'm not sure if I asked this already, but uh, what's your go-to shot? High draw, low cut? Uh, I'd love to get to a high cut. Um, I'm more of a drawer of the ball. Uh, maybe because I don't you. hit the ball. I, I've alluded to before. I, when I play my best, I, I'm, I'm cutting the ball. Um, but I'm, I'm more of a drawer of the ball, but I've been really over the last couple of years trying to cut the ball a lot more, but my, my go-to shot, if I'm struggling, I'm hitting a draw and I, I, I can, I can control it pretty well. 
I might have to talk to my uh, local pro and uh, maybe I'll bring you down for the member guest movie this summer if uh, we're golfing. <laughs> I love it. I, it's funny because I hadn't been my first 45 years of my life. I'd never been to Saskatchewan. And full disclosure, my girlfriend originally is from Camsack, Saskatchewan. Really? So, yeah, yeah. She left when she was, uh, I think, about two. Uh, and I asked her if she banged Tyler Wright because I think he's from Saskatchewan. Uh, from Camsack as well, but she was two, so I'm hoping that is not the case. Uh, but yeah, I've been I've been to Saskatchewan six times in the last year after never been there, uh, being there the first 45 years of my life. So a lot of great guys from there, a lot of tough guys. Uh, but yes, if uh, if the option is open, I'm in. Another trip to Saskatchewan. I know what we'll be doing. We'll end up at a bar sooner or later. <laughs> Perfect. Um, Jay, I wanted to ask about your charity. I mean, I've, I've done some digging. I mean, uh, the Hunger Cave, uh, you want to talk about that a little bit and what got you into it? Well, Hunger Cave is a, is, is a business we have on the side. Uh, we have uh, frozen food that is put into a lot of the home hardwares around Canada. So I think we're in 67 stores now and we donate a lot of that money uh, back to various charities um, whether it's an Alzheimer's foundation, which I'm most prevalent with and try to support all over Canada through hockey tournaments. We try to donate those. Also, I do Tales from the Penalty Box, which is um, a, a comedy show with Andre Wive, then with PJ Stock, Andrew Peters, Brad May, Rob Ray, which is kind of just tales uh, from when we played and stories that aren't heard. Um, really in mainstream media. So uh, we do donate a lot back to Alzheimer's charities. Uh, my grandmother passed away with it. A coach mine of mine. Uh, Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. It seems like a lot of people are, are affected with it. It's not a, not a good disease as you know, uh, to end your life with. So anytime we could um, make it maybe a little bit more comfortable in, in, in the later years for a lot of people. And now we're seeing obviously dementia, uh, with CTE and former hockey players and football players, uh, it's becoming a lot more prevalent in today's day and age. So uh, we try to raise as much money for that as possible. Thank you. Uh, yeah, maybe uh, maybe a dumb question. I mean, I, I try and believe the question. Is, I mean, there's no dumb question ever, but uh, I wanted to ask what got you into it? And uh, yeah, just say what got you into doing some charities and whatnot? You know what? I, I, I think it's just being fortunate to to live the life that, that I get to and uh, I think going to Buffalo at a young age, at 18 years old, for my first training camp, and then playing seven years with Pat LaFontaine and, and Rob Ray, I really see or saw how much they did for the community. And they didn't have to. It wasn't like they were doing it to get notoriety or it was it was something that you needed to. You know, you have Pat LaFontaine who has everything in life. And on his off day, he'd be going to Children's Hospital to – to make sure someone that might be struggling in their life that they, they smile in times that, you know, there's, there's, they don't really see um, much hope or much reason to smile. Um, these guys would give their time out uh, to make other people's days brighter. And, and, you know, that led on to different charities that we did in Buffalo. And I just think it's important for, for everyone, um, especially people that, you know, have a very good life um, to be able to understand that not everyone leads the life that they do or is as fortunate as they do, whether it's, you know, you know, homeless, um, whether it's, it's sickness, um, whether it's lack of funds and not being able to enjoy the same things that we do. 
Um, I've had very good role models to, to lead me in that way. And hopefully my children can learn from not only me, but other people that are, that are very um, diligent in the way that they, they, they live their life in general, um, charity wise. This segment of Off the Hustle is brought to you by Brownies Golf Shop at the Royal Regina, Southern Saskatchewan's premier custom club fitters. Using FlightScope and GC Quad technology, Brownies Golf Shop will give you the high-performance club fitting you need for that new driver or set of irons. Offering a full line of clubs featuring Titleist, Ping, Callaway, TaylorMade, Cobra, and Srixen at the best prices. Brownies Golf Shop, high-performance club fitting to help you enjoy the game. Contact Dean at RoyalRegina.com to book your fitting or yardage gapping appointment. Uh, last question before I go on to the, I mean, the last question, I guess. Um, but how hard is it, I mean, as being a father and, you know, when you're, when you're, as a professional athlete, how hard is it to be, you know, you're playing hockey, you practice every day of the week and then workouts and you have a family. Like, how hard is that? Well, I, I, I think you, I really left, I, I learned early in, in my life in the NHL to leave the game at, at the rink. First couple of years, yeah. it really drove me wild if I didn't play well and I, I'd replay the game and you, you can't live like that. So, you know, my escape from the pressures and not playing well on certain nights or, you know, just everyday life of traveling was to come home to my kids. And I was fortunate my uh, my ex-wife was a great mom and took care of the house. And I never had to worry about anything at home or the kids wise. So when I came home, I was almost like Disney dad, everything fun happened through me and it was my solace and being able to get away. So I didn't find it that hard. Having said that, the hard thing is missing things, missing school plays or missing your son playing hockey or watching your daughter dance recital. Cause you're on the road. Those are, those are the things that, that, that made it hard and made me appreciate once I did retire and got to spend that time. And now that they're older and I don't get those moments, those are the times that I miss the most is the drives to the dance recitals and drives to the practice with my son. So um, fortunately my son still plays and I get to have those conversations and break down video and talk hockey with him. Uh, but certainly a lot different and something I, I'll never take for granted. Uh, last question before we go into the questions from the gallery. Um, for the young listeners, any piece of, of advice, uh, you know, young athletes, golfers uh, that want to become a professional athlete, what does it take and how hard is it to become a professional athlete? Yeah, and that that's a great point. I, I think it's, you know, whether you're a golfer or a hockey player, whatever it is you, you want to do, first of all, it's, it's commitment. And I was watching um, an old uh, drive putt and, Chip, um, uh, uh, chip and putt today on on the golf channel this morning, and just watching these young kids, um, their commitment to playing. You know, it, it takes hours and hours. Whether it's 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 hockey or golf um, or any other sport, putting time into your craft. You know, for for hockey players, you got to shoot pucks. You, you got to get in the gym. You you got to work out. You got to get stronger. You you got to be stick handling. You got to be doing stuff. That you got to be committing when other people as you get older are going to parties you know your sport has to be first and foremost and, and you have to sacrifice a lot so commitment and sacrifice um are are, are most prevalent you got to be the one that's there at the golf range at 6 a.m 7 a.m and going home when it's dark and when your buddies are going to do fun things you you got to commit um so commitment and sacrifice to me are the epitome of of any professional athlete Okay, so off to uh, questions from the gallery. 
Um, your dream foursome, non-hockey, then golfers. Who and why? Non-hockey and then golfers. Okay, so just non-hockey. Uh, <laughs> this, I would go my son. Matthew Barnaby Jr., right? Correct? Yep, Matthew Barnaby Jr., Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux. Wow. Yeah. Imagine that money match. <laughs> that, that would be pretty good. We, we'd have to borrow some out. I'd definitely take either Gretz or Mario uh, on my team just in case we lost. <laughs> uh, as for golfers, I would Tiger Woods for sure. Number one, I could just play with yeah. him alone. That would be, that would, that would be fine. I I'd be okay there. Uh, Adam Scott. Unbelievable. Would swing. be number two. Huh. Yeah. Un, un, unbelievable. And wow. Three would be really tough. Um, I'd love to say Jack Nicholas, but I, I would probably go with Darren Clark. Cause I know how hammered we get after. <laughs> So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Darren Clark. Okay, I like it. Um, from from my brother, who's been absolutely. Uh, he wanted to say thanks, Dan, for doing this. Um, out of the seven teams you played for, which was the best? Why and worst? Why? Yeah, I get I get asked this all the time, and <laughs> I def I def I definitely have a worst. I de- I definitely have a worst. It was Tampa Bay because our team sucked, and John Tortorella didn't like me as a player, and. Like me as a person. I like John as a person. I didn't like him as a coach because obviously he didn't like me as a player. And uh, I was rewarded with a trade in New York where I had three of the best years of my career. So screw you, Torch. Um, (laughs) The weather was great. I built a beautiful house. That's what makes it really hard because Chicago sucked while I was there too and it's become an awesome place to play. As for best, that's a lot harder. Buffalo will always have a special place in my heart because I was 19 years old, 20 years old, coming into the National Hockey League. I was green. I was naive. And it was just, I, I just got to live my dream. So every day was was like I was this young kid with lots of money and having fun and banging girls and and <laughs> and drinking and, and playing and, and playing in the National Hockey League. So it was really, really cool. New York was fun. Madison Square Garden, playing on a line with Mark Messier. I mean, you couldn't ask for 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 anything more to say you play with one of the greatest that have ever played, and that was awesome. And Pittsburgh, you know, three years there, they took me in as one of their own. I was one of the fan favorites, and again, getting to play with Mario Lemieux and and Yaramir Auger were were something that was awesome. There was some up times, some down times there. But if I had to go back and say all of it, why, when, seven years in Buffalo, pretty special. So that would be my favorite. From my captain, because, I mean, you and I talked that I coached junior hockey as well. Um, he asked, most underrated player you played with? Ooh, most underrated. Oh, probably, probably Mike Pekka. Oh, I was going to ask that. And I, I was, sick. and I hated, I, I hated him for a couple of years only because I hated his wife and thought she was a bitch, <laughs> um, and changed the person who he was because he was actually a really fun guy and isn't anymore. But as for player, there's no one that hits harder or hit harder than Mike Pekka at 180 pounds. I mean, he just crushed people. He was, he was good offensively, not great offensively. 
could shut down other teams' uh, top lines, was very physical. And, uh, yeah, probably the most underrated player I played. Well, and that run, too. Him and Pisani were just absolutely warriors. Unreal. Yeah. yeah, they were unreal. Toughest guy you fought in the NHL? The guy that cut me open um, the most was was Darren McCarty. I D-Mac. forgot he was a lefty for – yeah, D-Mac, awesome dude. Uh, cut me open for 28 stitches when I got traded to Colorado and really split my mo- mouth open. I couldn't eat for about two weeks. I had a unibrow. Um, man, did he, did he, did he hit me hard? Um, great, great guy. Um, Stu Grinson hit me, uh, I'd say often didn't hit me that hard when we fought. Uh, Todd Fedork is the only guy to one punch me. Um, didn't knock me out, but, but cut me open with one punch when he was coming in. I, I think he might've been a little bit medically induced, um, <laughs> we, we, but not, not confirmed, but it could have been a little medically induced because man, did he hit hard. And then a guy, Patrick Cote, I think he's in prison for robbing a bank right now. Uh, but when he was in Nashville, uh, he hit me pretty hard as well. I'm sure you have this question lots of me. I listened to a few of your pods. Cause I actually, and before I ask this question, I listen to one podcast and that's only is uh chicklets. Um, so now yeah. I'm, I'm on to yours now too. So, um, I heard some stories, but who is the cheapest guy you played with and, uh, any stories? Oh, with, with without a doubt, um, Vinny Prospel from fucking Tampa Bay. He's so, I, I, I use this analogy all the time. He's so fucking cheap that if he was going down a hill, uh, he'd put his, his car in neutral just to save on gas. Cause that's, that's how cheap the bastard is. We, we'd literally, he wouldn't come out for dinner. He went out for dinner with us once and, you know, the bill was probably a thousand dollars for, you know, eight guys it was like 120, $130 a guy. Um, expensive. We had wine and whatever, and he didn't drink. So he, he would never came to dinner with us again because he wanted to split his own bill. And we were like, no fucking way. Like you're, 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 you're chipping in, you're, you're chipping in your money. Uh, but yeah, he, he was, he was a cheap bastard with everyone. Let's spin that. Okay. Who's the guy that's always uh, paying, always paying when you played. Always paying. Oh God, there was, there was a lot of guys that I always felt like I was a guy that, you know, you know, paid a lot, but there, I don't think there was one guy. Um, I was Brian Leach. Do you pay a lot? That, yeah. I mean, all, all the guys did. Most, most of the guys were, were, were pretty good guys that spent their money lavishly, like not just paying, um, but, but just spent their money crazy were guys like Darius Kasparitis, <laughs> you know, he's a guy that, uh, Alexei Morozov, who's now the president, makes me laugh, of the KHL, who was my, my <laughs> line mate. I used to laugh. I go, you know, you're, you're spending $300 on a, a, a Versace toothbrush holder. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the same 22nd, 20 cent uh, toothbrush holder that I have, except for someone painted a Versace logo on it and you are spending $300. So I would say those guys are the guys that spent the most. Um, I, I know, I, I, I know that uh, my friend Darius Casparis, who I loved as a teammate, great guy, love to spend his money on a lot of different things. Um, women usually were, <laughs> were the demise of where he spent most of it. Hopefully he's still married to a couple of them. <laughs> guys are wreck guys knees. Hey, hip checks. 
Oh, he, he, he relished in it. And he loved that guys wanted to come at him and destroy him. I mean, he did not care who came at him. He was still going to try to injure you, whether he blew your knee out or not. He did not give a shit. From Al, if hockey didn't work out, what were you thinking of doing as a career? You know what? I, I put all my eggs into one basket, and I, it's, not, it's not the way to do it. Um, it's, it's, it's what I wanted to do, and I committed to working out at, at 17, 18. And I wasn't a great student, but I never put a lot of effort into school. I, I don't think, you know, I, I consider myself to be um, street smart and be able to do a lot. And, and I love the business side of it. But what would I, if I wasn't a hockey player, I probably would have loved to be a lawyer. You know, if, if I had to go back and and knew what I know now, I, I think that's something or something in the business sector. Um, love starting things up. Um, definitely media, but that was given to me through playing in the National Hockey League. I love to talk. Obviously, love having an opinion, but I love debating. Love debating. So if I could have been a lawyer, all my friends, my girlfriends say you would have been a lawyer because, man, you hate to lose arguments <laughs> and you talk nonstop and you spin everything um, very quickly because of your gift of gab. So I'm going to go with a lawyer, even though a lot of people that knew me in school would say not a fucking chance. Uh, I know my players will be listening to this question for sure. Answer, sorry. Um, what's the best prank you've seen in the dressing room? Wow, there's been a lot. There's been a lot every, everywhere from shitting in a guy's bed and pulling. Oh. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was in, where were we then? That was in <laughs> in Chicago. Um, we did that. Uh, the, be- the, be- the best prank I've ever, I've ever seen is, is probably the Brad May with, with uh, LaFontaine and, and Gordonnelly and Brad May. I mean, and uh, on Brad May, Hartford, the night before the game, they literally shaved a bar of X-Lax in his dessert because they knew how much he loved it. And they went to, the guys won't remember this, most people, uh, the sport highlight. It was famous in like the 80s and 90s, like the, the down in Miami where they'd whip this ball and you'd bet on it. So going to bet after um, on, on this sport, Brad May obviously stomach about an hour after eating starts to starts to rumble and he has to go back to the hotel um and he literally shits himself for the next 15 hours and lays on the bathroom floor with pat lafontaine as his his roommate and literally dies the next day at 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 the game and after the first period is like minus two he's dehydrated he can't eat he's, he's obviously shit himself to death and John Buckler walks in and says he's sending him to the minors and tells him how horrible he is. And he really is planning on telling his parents that he's, he's done. Like the NHL career, the dream is, is all done. It's all said. And um, he's dying. Pat LaFontaine had to go into John Muckler after the second period and say, Hey, it's not the kid's fault. This is what we did. <laughs> we shaved a bar of X-Lax on his, on his pie chocolate cake after um, and it's no fault of his own. So, you know, just seeing Brad um, die and thinking that his career was over, uh, that, that's pretty tough to beat on that one. We, we once in Chicago, me and Todd Simpson, or sorry, me and Marty LaPointe, uh, stole everyone's clothes uh, because of something that they pulled on us and took everyone's clothes and cell phones. Uh, we got off the ice really quickly, all their wallets, all their car keys, threw it in the back of the pickup, or the, the equipment truck 
and left it there uh, for two <laughs> days. So guys weren't able to get home. Their wives had to come. They couldn't pick their kids up from school. They couldn't go to doctor's appointments. They had no money, no wallets, no nothing. And for two days straight, we, for anyone that's seen the movie Seven, we'd clip out, we'd have bottles of wine at the house with the wives and we'd, uh, we'd clip out clues to where the clues were and we'd drop them off in the center of the room uh, before practice. So took the guys a couple of days, a little animosity, a little, uh, a little anger uh, came out from those guys, but yeah, it took them two days to get all their shit back because of what they had pulled on us. <laughs> uh, two more questions here and then maybe a lasted off uh, send off story here, but um, have you ever had an altercation with a coach um, behind the scenes? Uh, who was it? And I mean, if you want to elaborate on that for us, how was that? Uh, Cindy Fluff, uh, Lindy Ruff. Uh, I used to call him Cindy Fluff once in a while, <laughs> just to get, uh, just to grind his gears a little bit. And uh, we didn't like each other, and mostly to my fault. I was probably a little immature at the time. Uh, Ted Nolan was our coach, and they brought they 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 got rid of Teddy and brought in Lindy. So I was very loyal to Teddy at the time, and uh, probably didn't give Lindy the chance. But we got in an argument one night uh, in uh, Tampa Bay, and. He apologized to me um, for benching me. And the next day, well, I had told some of the guys and he came into the room saying that I, he didn't apologize to me. I called him out. Um, he smashed a stick over my stall at the time, a wood stick. It broke everywhere, shattered while I stood up and obviously got in his face and didn't like him smashing a stick over my stall and challenged him to a fight. Uh, and I said, let's not do it in front of the guys let's uh let's let, let's go 15 miles out of town into a parking lot and we'll fight there so yeah i i've, I've had a few uh, but most of them came uh against cindy my good friend lindy ruff but uh yeah he didn't uh, he didn't always like that i i'd whisper behind his back that he was he was lindy on the road and rough at home either okay so i want to quickly ask how good was uh maxim afanaganoff i mean i always hear that guy's voice uh, he talks about Finneganoff and that goal score. I mean, how how good was he? He was awesome. I, I actually never played with him. I, I missed I missed him after I was traded. I think he came in in, in two thousand. I was traded in ninety nine, but got to watch him up close and personal. Hit him really hard one time too. He was admiring his pass and almost knocked him out, which I wish I would have. <laughs> um, but but uh, he was dynamic. He, he'd be so great in today's game without hooking and holding and clutching and grabbing. Um, he was, he was so quick. He loved to score goals that, that goal he scored against. I think the one you're, you're talking about is the one against Tampa Bay where he crowds the puck. Yeah. That goes- <laughs> oh, oh yeah. He's, he's the best. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's the best. Uh, Rick Jenneret is, is so good to have him call your goals and fights. And my favorite, he lost his hat. <laughs> or that made He called a helmet a hat. Mayday. Yeah. Uh, don't don't bring up fucking Mayday. That guy scored one goal in his career and it made him fifteen million dollars. It's fucking what a joke that yeah, is. Yeah, but Hootie uh, Dangle was a great player. Hootie Dangle, Ray, Raymond Bork, Raymond Bork, <laughs> one hand toe drag, Worth fifteen not bad million dollars for that one. Fa- 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 famous famous words of Paul Bissonnette. Not a big <laughs> deal. Uh, uh, who who is the best golfer you've ever played with? Um, well, best guy I've ever played with is, is Chris Nalen, who played on the tour for a little bit. Um, I remember, I remember he was playing, he had the same agent as Phil Mickelson and this was at the U S open in 
Pinehurst. And I remember being inside the ropes during the practice round and, and being close to Phil. And he goes, how the fuck is your buddy not on this tour? Like, cause he wasn't on the tour. He was, he played, he was a Monday qualifier and qualified through um, the U S open qualifying schools. Um, so that's how we qualify, which is absolutely outrageous on trying to qualify that way or through PGA qualifying. I, I've been to that too. It's absolutely outrageous how well you have to play for a long extended period of time. But he was like, how the fuck is this guy not on tour? He hits the ball. He hits it on a rope. Um, but he just, he couldn't get over the mental side of playing. It wasn't great putter either, but Chris Nalen, um, is the best that I played with as for, as for NHL players, uh, playing out there. Um, Dan Quinn, uh, probably the best that I play with. Okay. Last question before we go to a, a last, uh, send off story here. Um, if there's one guy that you could, uh, uh, center ice, ding, 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 bells go off. Let's go. Who, who, who are you going? One guy, Sean Avery. Sean Avery, me, 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 and, me, and, me and Sean Avery, I want a chance at him. I've never fucking didn't like the guy when I played against him. Uh, probably hate the guy more after just watching his stupid rants on Instagram or fucking Twitter or whatever he did. I mean, he's a loser. I mean, just an absolute loser. So I'd say Sean Avery uh, would be the guy that I'd want. Um. Any last send off story for all the listeners here? Uh, any good, um, just a good laugh or yeah. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll bring a tough guy went into it. Um, I didn't play a shift one day. I was in Pittsburgh. It was the last time I ever played for the Pittsburgh Penguins. It was the day before the, the freeze for the all-star break. And we were in Chicago and our coach, God bless his soul. He's actually passed away. Now. Um, Ivan Halink, who was a great player in his own right. Um, when he when he did play, but uh, passed away a few years ago. He was your he, coach. Yeah, he was Sorry. my coach. Couldn't speak English, and he was coaching the NHL. How fucked up is that? Wow. Just weird. Uh, but a great yeah. dude. But we had seven, I think six or seven Czechoslovakians, so they 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 catered really to those guys. Uh, awesome dude, but didn't get the tough side of the game. We're in Chicago when they got Brad Brown and uh, Jim Cummins. Um, Bob Probert, uh, obviously, pretty tough guy. So I hadn't played a, a shift in two, two and a half periods. And we're up five to nothing. And I'm swearing at these fucking guys all game long, just calling them everything in the book. And they're looking at me like, we're going to kill you if you ever get out here. And there's like four or five minutes left in the game. And Ivan goes, Barney, you, you, you're up. You, you, you're, you're up. Oh, and my skates were untied. <laughs> And I just looked at it, I go, you know, yeah, I untied. I, I, I thought I wasn't playing anymore. My feet were fucking sore and I was cold. I was just looking forward to the dinner after and getting home and having a few beers. And I just looked at it, I go, not a fucking chance. I am going on that ice. Not a fucking chance. And I just remember Proby and the guys looking like they had heard my boy. I was like, nah, not going. And I looked at Randy Hillier, our, our assistant coach. And I go, Randy, go tell that fucking guy. There is no chance I'm going out in the ice. They are going to kill me, and I will never play another game in the league if I get him that ice right now. He goes, no, I, I get it. I get it. I'll go tell him. So he went and told him. He was like, okay, Barney, you know go. <laughs> so great guy. God rest <laughs> his soul. Uh, I, I unfortunately, didn't have a clue how to coach in the NHL. Okay, sorry. Before you go here, I have one thing to ask you personally. Um, from 92 to 06, I mean, like you just mentioned, like uh, crushing beers after a game or a practice, whatever it is. Like, 
did that change over the year? I mean, now the guys are doing uh, workouts <laughs> and I mean, like did their protein shakes. They, like, what was that like? And that yeah, was just just the training aspect. I mean, we worked out in the summer, and, and I think as the years went on, we we worked we worked out hard. We didn't work out functionally like these guys and obviously after our workout i remember when i was 18 19 20 years old we'd finish our workout and i worked out where a lot of the nhl guys did in ottawa and we'd go upstairs and have beers after and chicken wings and that was that was just our daily occurrence <laughs> what we did after practices in my first couple of years i'd hang out with the vets and we'd go crush beers after every practice that was just every day we'd have beers on the plane and get off the off the plane half court um, pull into cities the next <laughs> we'd have 48 beers on on the bus on our way from the airport to to the hotel it was just everyday life now i don't think there is beer i don't think there's alcohol on planes it's all about recovery and protein shakes and obviously the money has changed the 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 scope um the dynamic of it all but you know, in just drinking and driving and and all of that it, it's changed and we've evolved so much you know i i just that is the same thing as, you know, my mom smoked in the delivery in, in, in the waiting room of the doctor's office when she had me. Obviously, we know that's not good for you now. So the optics and, and everything, the way that it's changed, certainly it's a different dynamic in the way that these guys train, the way that my son's trained, the way that kids are, are getting better and, and just the training facilities, the way that they are. It's so much night and day. But the cell phones, I'll always say, cell phones ruined all professional sports because of, of being out in a bar and, and having fun, uh, certainly you can't do the things. And I wouldn't trade it for all the money in the world, the stories I have in this brain, as opposed to some of the money that can be made. Well, uh, Matthew, this has been awesome, man. I, I hope we, we can do this again. And I appreciate, appreciate oh, it. Oh, loved it. Thank you. Yeah, anytime you want me and uh, to all the listeners out there, have a great day. Maybe we'll see you in Saskatchewan this summer. And maybe you'll be giving me, I don't know, three or four aside. There it is. Member guest partner, Matthew Barnaby. Cheers, boys. Have a good day. This episode of Off the Hosel is brought to you by Extreme Hockey and Sports and Umbrella Marketing Solutions. One stop for all your sports, marketing, and corporate team and sales. Come down and see Donnie and Daphne for all your sports and corporate needs or contact at this number 306-539-6101 or email donnyyearen at extremehockey.net. That's D-O-N-N-Y-U-H-R-E-N at ExtremeHockey.net. Well, there it is, the interview with Matthew Barnaby. Um, really good interview. You know, super funny. He's a, he's a great dude. I really appreciate him coming on. Uh, he had a lot of good stories for us. Um, yeah, and just really not afraid to tell it how it is. And, you know, that's what I liked about Matt. So I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, reminder, we're on Facebook at Off the Hosel. Uh, we're on Twitter, underscore off the hosel. Like us, follow us, retweet us, uh, tell everyone about us. I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, have a great uh, Wednesday, and we'll talk to you guys uh, next week.